Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris and this is Chris. Hi! This time we read, Do What Matters Most, Lead with a Vision, Manage with a Plan, Prioritize Your Time, by Rob and Steve Schallenberger. This was published by Barrett Kohler just this past year in 2021. This, you might might be wondering, why the fuck are they reading like a productivity book? And uh, the story is that, you know, I'm at work one day... And I get a just a, a cold email from the business abyss one day, uh, and it's this guy offering to send me a free book. And I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I work on databases. I'm a trainer and a technical writer. So I get a ton of these fucking bullshit emails being like, sign up for this course. Sign up your whole company for this course. Please, God, give us your corporate dollars. And so, you know, usually I see these emails and they just go the right. leashes from the business of this yes, squirming. Yes, that is money. correct. Mm-hmm. And so normally the leeches rise up from the business of this and I just throw them in the bin. So, you know, but, Flame but just with- this one just seemed, I was like, all right, they're offering me a free book. This is a sign from Terriblo. Like, Terriblo's light was shining upon me. And so... Even his tendrils reach into the business abyss. They do. <laughs> All corners of yes. reality in various abysses. Correct. Abyss eye. Abyss uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. What is the plural of abyss? Write in to terriblebookclub <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, so anyway, I did some quick, you know, just some quick internet searching to determine whether or not it was like a scam or, or whatever. It, it didn't seem to be on its face. So I was like, sure, if you're really going to send me a free book. Great. I said, you know what? I was up front. I said, hey, I have a book review podcast. I might review it. Guy didn't ask any questions. Clearly didn't Google my name because if I think <laughs> nope. he did, he would not have sent me a book. Uh, but he sent the book and I was like, who knows if this is ever going to show up? But it did. It showed up. Right. My front door. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure that this isn't quite what the salesman was expecting, but the Becoming Your Best website, which is, uh, the Becoming Your Best is like the, I don't know, the, um, package Brand, around yeah, which brands. this this book was kind of constructed. It is the brand, yeah. So their website says that their clients include Dell, the Dallas Cowboys, Charles Schwab, and some other rich corporations. So, like, I don't know, I think they can survive an honest, independent review of their book, and look, sales guy, you were just doing your job. And hey, you you know, you did you did get the company some free publicity. So probably whatever. amongst an audience that really isn't your target audience, I would say. Well, they're but their target audience is literally everyone, so they don't care. All right, um, sure. If you're looking to up your productivity game for your anime fanfics that you're trying to write. <laughs> hey man, 
No, no I mean, shade to the anime fanfic writers. That are no, happening, and, I just, it seems to be a cut of our audience. Yeah, really... I know, I know. It is a very surprising uh, transformation here <laughs> in our audience. We did not expect. Keep that. doing you guys. But uh, anyway, I think yeah. Anyhow, uh, that's that's how we ended up here today. And if this is your first time listening to the show. What we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or, you know, some combination of the three. Sometimes we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. Um, So we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet. And usually this experiment results in a disappointing read. But once in a while, we do end up liking a book. Um, We have no... Content warnings today. Wow. Yeah. That's great. You know what? Points to this book for not somehow shoehorning in. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, so today you just have to worry about our typical barnyard language. So, you know, we're we're pretty uh, casual swearers. We are from New England. So it happens. Know, th- yeah, it's just going to come out of our mouths. It's winter, especially. It's, we're extra ornery. Yeah. The, yeah. I actually I had... Like the other icy day, outside and shit. Like, uh, I actually I had the most Boston fucking walk to work the other day. I uh, so I you know typically I, I haven't been going into the office, but I had to because I had to deal with I had to get a new work laptop. So I actually went into the office for two days, which turned out to be kind of pleasant because I was only the only one there. But anyway, I'm walking to work. I have a two mile walk to my office, and like I <laughs> we had just had a blizzard. Uh, last weekend and so this was a few days after so there's still these just mountains of snow everywhere and so on my way to work I'm encountering these various like shoveling teams and like construction workers and just every group of dudes I passed was they were just the Boston meter was just on fucking 11 it was like hey Tommy you gonna fucking get this pile over here no, I can see. All right, all right fine. I just gotta bring fight this shovel. guy whose space saver yeah, I stole yeah, 20 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah uh, if you are We're not... flinging dunks iced at each other and see who gets frostbite first. <laughs> yeah, I also saw many dunks iced because here we don't drink hot coffee ever. <laughs> it's always iced no matter the season. So, um, anyway, I don't know. It was just really funny and I was just getting kind of a chuckle out of it. And um, as I'm walking... I, I cross this this large intersection, and as I'm crossing and I get to the other side, I hear some commotion, and I see this guy rolled this guy rolled down his window, and like sticks his head out of the car to scream at a U-Haul that had I don't know wronged him in some way in the traffic in the traffic area, you know, was like fuck you, I'm gonna fuck you, just the most Boston shit ever, and I was just like, wow, I missed my commute to work. Um, <laughs> I also saw, each other. I also saw, um, okay, so I don't know if any of any of you are familiar with um, the Instagram account, Half Drunk Dunks. It is just an account that finds and also reposts all of the abandoned Dunkin' Donuts coffees in the Boston area, and it's hilarious because you wonder... How do people buy this whole ass drink and then take two sips and fucking abandon it? How does this happen so much? And, you know, I haven't done my uh, my commute walk in a while and I saw a half drunk dunks and I remembered as I saw it, I was like, this is the spot. I've seen so many half drunk dunks here. It's just, okay, so it's on a corner and it's a corner building. So it has one of those corner stoops, right? So it's like kind of rounded and it, you know, kind of mm-hmm, spills out mm-hmm. to both sides. And man... People just love to abandon their fucking coffees there. What do you think is happening on that corner, Paris, that makes people just, like, drop everything? That's what I'm trying to figure out. There's nothing notable. This is just in a neighborhood. The only... I mean, it's an... 
it's an intersection that's kind of busy. So I don't know if people are just like sipping and then the light changes and they just say, ah, I don't know. I got to drop my coffee. Yeah, right but it's not like it's like placed, right? It's not yes, like dropped. It's so it's not like they were like disapparated from existence by like the fucking Boston Bermuda Triangle. Did or you something. say d- disapparated? Yeah. I don't know. It's a Harry Potter thing. All right, I, we're gonna have to come back to that. That doesn't sound like a word to me. It's it, yeah, it's from Harry Potter. Don't oh, worry about yeah, it. Yeah, then it's definitely not a word. Fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I was very excited. However, I forgot to send the picture in, but I need to remember to do that. So undocumented half, half drunk dunks out there somewhere. Well, you said it's frequent at this intersection. So yeah, I remembered. I would like it's walk a gold by. mine for that Instagram account. Yeah, I gotta remember what street what streets the, the someone's just on. like accosting people over there and convincing them to set down their dunks somehow there's like some kind of there's actually know. a coffee ghost yeah. in that <laughs> building and while you're waiting for the light to change it's like you don't want you don't want it you don't want it leave it it's so easy the ghost can pass through the coffee and your like hands feel the existence of coffee through the, the veil of, of reality. Oh, yeah. Caffeine definitely pierces the veil. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about yes. this. I mean, because think about it. Like, coffee and tea, you got to steep it. So uh-huh. why wouldn't it be able to be steeped through the fucking, I don't know, ectoplasm yeah, or whatever? Into the astral plane. <laughs> yes. And using the astral plane to steep. Uh, so anyway, I think that there's a coffee ghost that convinces people to abandon their full coffees. Okay. All right. Anyway. Now so, books. Yeah. Productivity business. All right. So um, I'm going to read the summary of the book here. <clears throat> and hey, this is another episode. We actually have the back, back of a book to read. The real back, not just the internet summary. <clears throat> Lead a life by design, not by default. In our research of more than 1,260 managers, we found that 68% feel their biggest challenge is how to prioritize their time, yet 80% of those same people did not have a process to organize their time and focus on what matters most. This book covers the three high-performance habits that will empower people to take control of their schedule, prioritize their time, and increase productivity by at least 30 to 50%. This translates into better leadership, increased sales, higher productivity, higher profitability, and an improved culture. On the personal side, it translates into increased life balance, improved health, less stress, better relationships, more money, and a laser-like focus on your priorities. Wow, high promise there. Ooh, yeah, they're really uh, really promising a lot of Specific, like, statistical promises of 30 to 50% increase in my mm-hmm. productivity. Yeah, they studied... 1260 managers I really loved how this is yeah. aimed at the manager class yep. here not like not the people actually on the ground doing that work that you guys should be yeah. producing but anyway, like specifically okay, okay well. <laughs> we'll talk about that momentarily so our uh, characters and setting are you in the present and future you i guess uh it's just a self-help book so the character is you main character is you you this is it this is it um, I guess we also get a lot of stories from the two salesmen who wrote this book, uh, Rob and Steve Schallenberger. And then, um, you know, the extremely real people who really gave these very real testimonials throughout the text. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure some of them are real, but I, mm, 
it's not like there's anything really backing it up when most of the testimonials are like, wow, I went to your seminar and before I've even implemented anything, my life has been changed. Yeah, I'm going to go home and everything's going to go great. Yeah, there were a few of those where people hadn't even done it yet. And they, were <laughs> they just like, heard about yeah. it and they were well, like, but holy to, shit. You know, to be fair, there were also plenty of testimonials from people who had supposedly actually used this, although... Mm-hmm. Yeah, any, anyhow. How about um, I summarize what the whole program is yeah, here? Because this kind of yeah. gets down to the brass tacks of our view on this book. Yeah, which there, is, and there is a very clear process here with steps. So, Chris, yes. take, take it away. What's the summary? I would say the summary is this. Have a personal vision for yourself. Think about what roles you play in your life and schedule out your week. The uh, end. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the the whole like vision also and roles also includes having uh, goals that are that are smart goals, which S M A R T is an acronym. It's a it's a very commonly used tactic. We actually use it at work on our like campaigns and stuff um, to make sure that your goals are specific, measurable, actionable. What's the R and the T? Specific, measurable, achievable, or attainable, relevant, and time bound. Thank you. Yes. So, um, I mean, these are all tactics that I think uh, many people use. So that's the summary. Plan it's, your shit out. It, it's make not, reasonable goals. It's not bad. Like no, the the no. advice contained within is absolutely practical, and it will help you if it's because what does it boil down to? Basically, okay, just okay. like think about what you're gonna do, have a plan. That's really it. Just like don't be reactive to life is the yeah. general idea. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Don't be reactive to life, the book. Um, so we can first talk about things that were good. This is the things that were good section. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got actually a fair amount of things that were good about this. So the first one is that it it talks about how task saturation can really 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 um waylays a lot of people. And I agree. I am currently experiencing Intense task saturation. Pretty much everyone, real. you know, everyone's yeah. getting asked to do more for less pay, I feel like. And even in your life, just more yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, you have to balance more things. All of a sudden, the kids are home all the time with mm-hmm. you because of the whole pandemic thing. And no one really in the public health sector. I mean, the public health sector has been trying, so I'm not going to blame them. But, like, no one's listening that well to the public health. The federal level, sure, but I think the people, like, city level yeah, on the ground, they're yeah. trying their best, and no one's really listening to them, and, like, now we're still here, and, like, you have to take care of 500 more things, yeah. and it sucks. It's hard to do. We only have so much bandwidth and time. Yeah, and, you know, some of your some of your goals right now might not even be possible because of the pandemic. Like, you just can't do it, you know? Like, for example, finishing a record because you have to actually work with other people in a small space, and it's hard. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think that the fact that it was like, hey, this is a real problem that affects people. I thought that was good to call out. Um, I also really like the idea that this book encourages you to always better yourself and you th- and tells you that you should self-assess, reevaluate, et cetera, and like not let complacency dull you. Um, I think I think the uh, the the subtext that's kind of missing though is that 
I think that, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be doing this, but make sure that you're doing it for yourself, truly, and not because society says you need to be a fucking CEO or a size four or whatever. There's a lot of, like, weight loss shit in here that I really hate. Right? There was, Um, like, an absurd amount of, like, and then they lost a lot of weight, and I was like, okay, but... Because society thinks that that is one of the best things you could ever do, and one of the biggest accomplishments you could ever have in your fucking life. So, unfortunately, a lot of the examples they have are from people who were indeed trying to lose weight and found that this method method helped them but anyway i i still like the main idea that, yeah, yeah I, you should I always, always this is how i try to operate in my guitar playing which spills out into my the rest of my life which is like never get to the point where you think like now nah, i'm pretty good i don't really have to do this work anymore because like i've practiced enough to be like preset at everything and i can just coast on that you can't let that happen because that's the second you do you're just going to stagnate and the Mm. one thing i don't want to do in life is stagnate i just want to be a little bit better than i was last week and it doesn't have to be massive gains or anything either and i think this book also puts that across right like don't try to do everything all in one week or one month like just Mm. take a little step forward every time you can and that's really all you need to be doing because the minute you try to think too big picture for too long i know it has like the personal vision thing but it doesn't want you to dwell on that too long because the moment you do that, it's almost like task saturation for your entire life. Yeah. And you just want to have that end point to think about so you can decide what to do. But don't marinate in that for too so long that yeah. you just don't take the little steps that you should be taking day to day. And I do like that. I enjoy yeah. that. I, and I also think that like the um, on page 60... You know, to uh, it's it where it's trying to get you to start thinking about your your personal vision and goals. It it tells you to ask yourself these four questions, and I actually think that the first three are really helpful, and the fourth one is kind of optional. I feel like, but I think that you know, if you're if you're really trying to get out of the rut of being trapped in the the mundanity of mundanity, I don't think that's a word. I am the uh, mundanity. <laughs> I do kind of something. I am some the stuff. Monday through Friday <laughs> schedule nine to five. Yeah. Oh, that actually works because he's the Monday-ity, yes. but he's also the mundane deity. Yes. Where he's like, he's kind of all right, I guess, but like not the best. Just really fucking middle of the road <laughs> and soul crushing. Anyway, um, so I think if, if you're trapped in kind of the, the routine of the day-to-day and you are being very reactive and you want to step away from that, I think these questions are good. Uh, And the first one is just, in the next 10 to 20 years, what are some things you want to do and or accomplish? Uh, The second question is, think of any mentors or people who have inspired you. These can be people you know personally or people you know from history. What are the traits, characteristics, and qualities that you admire about each of these people? And C, or three, sorry, what would you like to improve in your job, your home, or your community? Uh, And then the last one that I feel is kind of optional is how do you hope others will look back and describe you 50 years from today whether you are alive or not i just feel like that one gets a little that's like, a little existential crisis yeah, for me it's I don't, like honestly I don't. we're all dust in the wind here yeah. right so just don't dwell too much about your fucking legacy because that's how you get like elon musk's as far yeah. as i'm concerned <laughs> well and i also just think it's not relevant for most people 
real talk, most people aren't going to be remembered 50 years from now once you're dead. I mean, maybe your family will remember. You know, people remember grandma for I mean, while. 50 years from now, Florida's going to be an island floating <laughs> off into... Like, we're going to have bigger problems in 50 sure. years. So I think that maybe that one is might lead you down a path that isn't great. So. Maybe you could rephrase that question and to be like, how would you like to slightly better the communities that you are part of so that when you're not around that... No, that's already question three. Oh, okay, well... So... <laughs> Anyway, I think question four is kind of optional. But I do think that if you are trying to... Take over know, the world, a la Pinky in the Brain, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, if, you're, if you are trying to think a little bit more long-term and pull yourself out of that that routine that can kind of trap people, those are three of those are good questions to ask. Pull yourself from, out from under the yoke of the mundanity. Yes. <laughs> uh, so there's another... So this is a thing that... This is one of those, like, it's good but also bad is... There is a there is like a three sentence section where it's like, hey, you gotta prioritize self care above everything else because if you can't function, there's no way you're gonna be able to accomplish any of these goals or help other people or do anything. And I was like, fuck, thank you for saying that because you honestly, you don't fucking see that in a lot of productivity books because they're all like sacrifice it all for the paycheck, do as many things as you can one day. You know, like really toxic shit like that. So it was nice to see that sentiment. However, my my sub note here as to why it may not have been great is because it's super buried and they only say it in those three sentences. The book does have a little tonality of like, do your best for your company too, yeah. right? So it's not completely free of that uh, yeah. kind of stuff. But I was glad that it was said. Yeah, at least. Yeah, self-care, prioritize it. Um, again, we talked about how like SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, the acronym, are, are a thing. And I do I do really encourage because I feel like if you aren't looking at things, if you aren't actually making, you know, small, reasonable, measurable, time-bound, specific goals, then I kind of feel like all you have are dreams that have no direction. Or just like a bunch of loose ideas of where you want to go without really planning out, like at least yeah. a basic roadmap of how you want to get there. It does not have to be super detailed, right? No, no. You just kind of, like with a lot of my guitar students, they're like, I want a specific practice routine I can do every single week. And I'm like, that's actually going to kind of work against you for some other reasons we're going to get into yeah, yeah. later over here. But I basically tell a lot of my students, like just have a general goal of what like you want to be practicing this month and just to try to get a little bit better at that, because very rarely are you going to be perfect at something very quickly. And like, right. it's always like you're honing that skill a little bit. So the measurable part could, in terms of guitar playing, could yeah. be like, I just want to be able to, you know, remember where some of the notes are on this one string by the end of the month or something. And that's right. a reasonable, measurable goal that gives you plenty of wiggle room. That's kind of the other important thing is having right. that little bit of wiggle room so it's not completely you must do it by this time in this exact way well no i mean i think i think having a, a goal by a certain time is good but i i think the this method just encourages you to be like okay well if you want to be able to know where all the notes are on this one string by the end of the month you know you should aim to practice your uh scales that involve that string uh, three times a week or yeah, something, right? That, yeah, like exactly. Very, very specific, but not so overbearing that you're like, every day I have to fucking play till my hands bleed. Yeah, like that's exactly. Like, exactly. It, 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 the book definitely encourages you not to go to the extreme ends where you're overburdening yourself with intense daily goals because that's how people 
end up feeling like they're failing and burn out. And I can fucking attest to that yes. because I myself have been victim to this, you know, when you're like, oh, fuck, I need to like be healthier. Like, oh, I got to have a, I got to have my smoothie every day. I got to I got to exercise for at least an hour every single day. And then like the first day you don't do it, you're like, well, fuck, I've already failed. And they they outline that very specifically and clearly. And I think that that's true. And I thought that that was a great thing to say, like, hey, you know, making these goals and having some action items that are, you know, that follow kind of the, the smart rubric is good, but definitely don't go to such an extreme that it actively works against you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked, yeah. Um, you know, it, it tells you to give yourself some grace, like you were saying, you know, allow yourself some flexibility where you just have, like, goals for each week and not daily. <clears throat> um, I also think it was good that they pointed out that, um, you know, when you're making your vision and your roles, so to be clear, the roles are, like, you know at your job you have your role as like a worker or whatever yeah i know sorry this is like really fucking american capitalist but whatever um and then you have your role at home as like a roommate or a, a dad or a lover or whatever you know whatever your home goal is and then you also have your role as like i don't know for us it might be like musicians and then podcasters mm -hmm. or you know what not that i really see myself that as a podcaster but i guess it's just a thing that popped into my mind because we're sitting in this room making a fucking podcast we've been doing it for seven years so yeah, <laughs> i guess it's a role maybe we need some smart goals about this <laughs> yeah. podcast um but anyway so you, so you have each of your you know your life roles maybe it's like student musician uh i don't know mom and porn star porn star yeah, yeah right exactly um so yeah, I thought it was good that it said, you know, within each of these roles, you really only need one to four goals. Don't go over that because you're going to fucking that you're just going to task saturate yourself again. Right. Mm -hmm. So start on the lower end and build yourself up, like have one goal for each role and then have your sub action items and then break it out into your you know weekly planning. I want to do great at work by having 20 percent more sales. I want to learn my minor scales all over the fretboard. I want to be a good roommate by paying all my bills on time without being asked. And I want to get 1,000 followers on my OnlyFans by the go. end of the year. Yeah, honestly, great example. Yeah. Um, I also thought that it offered some really good advice, uh, you know, just kind of here and there throughout the book. And I thought that one of the one of those pieces of really great advice was don't don't let perfect be the enemy of good. That is something that is a, a, a fucking awful problem I have where I... <laughs> It has to be perfect. Yeah, kind of hand in hand with the, like, don't give yourself some leeway and grace with, mm -hmm. like, your daily or weekly, I should say, goals and stuff like that. Yeah. Give wiggle room and allow for some leeway. I, I think the some way they... Failure. The, yeah, some, the way know. they put it is, like, aim to achieve about 70 to 80% of your weekly mm -hmm. planned tasks, essentially. Yeah. yeah, so don't sit here and be like, oh, fucking 100%. Like, as long as you've gotten anything done, fucking great. And honestly... Even if you don't, you always can keep trying. And that's something that I have a hard time with personally. Like, so that that just rang really true to me. And I was honestly kind of surprised to see that in a book about productivity that had sort of a corporate lean. I yeah. was really surprised to see the idea that you need to give yourself some grace. Not that they said it quite that way, um, but also that it's okay to not accomplish 100% of everything. So that was good. Uh, I also really feel strongly about pre-week planning because that's something I do every week. I always write out a list of things I need to do that week and check them off in a written planner. It's just whenever, personally, I've found that 
if I'm not using a planner or a notebook or writing things down, I am just way more of a mess as a person. Because <laughs> um, I, I think like, you know, I always use planners in school from when I was a child through college. And then after college, I stopped using a planner and was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> I need to go back to that. So um, even honestly, right now, I'm just using a notebook and just bullet points and just making sure I remember things. So I thought it was good to encourage people to pre-week plan. I don't think that's a bad that's thing. That's kind of the crux of the whole, yeah. like, that's like yeah, the day-to-day, -day, even though it's a weekly thing, that's like mm -hmm. the, the, what's this, the, the micro scale mm -hmm. part of the book, which is like, okay, how do you actually implement this in your daily life? It's basically just schedule out your week a little bit and leave a little wiggle room for emergencies and other things like that. Yeah, and to be clear, they advise against, like I was just saying a few minutes ago, the, the daily crushing strict planning. They're like, don't fucking do that to yourself. Like, just be like, all right, I should probably like take out the trash on Wednesday. Fine, I should take out the recycling on Thursday. I need to make sure I send this card to my fucking grandma on Friday or whatever. Like, that's fine. But don't be like every day I'm going to get up. Like, and minute fucking... to minute. Yeah. Like yeah. exactly what you should be doing at 734. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Don't be like every day I have to run five miles and every day I have to have my okay. green smoothie. That means that I have 20 minutes to jack off at the end of Tuesday <laughs> only. That's it. <laughs> Tuesday jack off day. <laughs> Oh, offering. no, I have to send that card to grandma. God damn it. It's my offering to the mundanity. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, anyhow, anyhow pre-week planning is good. Um, there's also some random shit. Like, at the very end, they're like, dude, fucking say no. And I was like, yes, because saying no has been, like, something that I have been really trying to work hard on since about, since the fall. So just the last four or five months, I have been trying really hard to say no, to fucking quit things to not take on more things because I am a I am a chronic um like Say task yes, saturator. <laughs> well no, like all right, so if any if any of y'all have played any of the Zelda games, I am the dude with the whole fucking shop on his back. That's me. I'm just like, oh yeah, please keep adding to the shop. Please keep fucking developing my scoliosis. I this guy in Kakariko Town, I would cart this whole meal across the, the Death Mountain, and now I, well, on the way of this bunny rabbit asked yes. me to actually deliver the Korok seed, so I'm gonna have to go over there. But then when I was delivering the Korok seed, Ganon attacked, and that means I have to help this one villager out to get back across yes. Death Mountain. I have, I have personally suffered from, like, feeling crippling fucking like anxiety whenever I tell anyone no anything and I'm like no I need to function as a person so you know what I'm quitting this I'm quitting this I'm not doing that fucking no <laughs> no and only saying yes to things if if they are actually fulfilling a goal of mine yes. um and if not fuck it I can't feel bad about everything all the time so sorry yeah. this is this has just been an episode where I'm like Listen to my personal fucking journey. <laughs> I will say from the other side, you know, if you find yourself not personally being task saturated, it could be that you're delegating a little too much. Oh, yeah. And, sure. you know, perhaps think about other people in your life that you know, if they could help you out with something, maybe just try your best to not have to get them to do it unless you absolutely need I do this in my family. My brother is a very busy dude, and I really only contact him for something that I need if I re if like he is the one person that can kind of get me out of the jam. For example, today he's the only person that can deliver us hot bar market basket dinner. So we are specifically <laughs> he's asking. He's going there anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna exactly. get the food anyway, so it's not like we're asking him to go out of his way. 
Yeah. But like and- sometimes like if I'm kind of stranded somewhere and I need a pickup, I will like f- exhaust every possible option. Like I'll pay for the $50 Uber. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I think that's yeah, I think that's a valid point, but I guess I'm sorry. I'm just being selfish because I'm like fucking I am drowning in tasks. <laughs> I I need to say no. Um and lastly, um it suggested that having multiple monitors was good. And as that's a person, really off the cuff, that's really. a really random thing. But I was like, you know what? Honestly, I at once I started using two to three monitors, I fucking hate when I only have to use one. It really sucks because yeah, you rethink. have to constantly navigate back and forth. You can't just have multiple things displayed at ease. It is a pain in the ass. I'm kind of rethinking my one huge monitor thing that I originally went with because blind and I can blow things up like extremely huge. I I might go to two smaller ones that I can just make things huge on instead i think it would actually help you especially because you do a lot of computer work like i do mm-hmm. or like most people but you know like we're working with within programs and stuff and having multiple monitors just just really helps you out um so that's kind of a random fucking thing uh, that i just thought was good to mention and then um you know gotta say i am pretty sure that these authors are mormon and I'm really glad that they didn't try to force God on you during this entire book. Fucking thank you. Yeah, thank I you. I appreciate that. They mentioned, like, maybe if you have roles as, in your religious services, like, as part of the ghost thing, and, like, they, they leave it at that, which is cool. Yeah. Fine. It's yep. okay to bring it up. I'm not going to be like, Fine. never bring up your religion. Right. I'm just I saying, agree. like, leave it at, like, okay, if this is the goal you have, try to think about that. It's an example, not like yeah. the path that you everyone should be guided by. Yeah, I think, and they mentioned, like, I think one or two of the people were like, oh, faith was really important to them, and that really helped, and that's fine, but good lord, am I, oh, thank, praise to Reblo, praise to Reblo. Praise the mundanity. Yeah, praise the mundanity, that I did not have to read about how God was going to fucking This is the only way to, you can only do this if you let God into your life. Only God can allow you to truly pre-week plan. Yeah, or only the spiritual, like, no, and seriously, I bring this up not as just, like, a petty hey, this is a little thing I found that was good about this book, but really, so many self-help books, so many productivity books, it's all like, you need to be spiritual, you have to accept God, or this fucking random-ass deity, or I don't know, do you have the to ask do... God. You, ha- yeah. you must accept me as the ass God. <laughs> I mean, we literally <laughs> yes, read a book about yes. that. Callbacks where, for you, yes. for previous listeners. Um, So I, I really think it's something to just shine on here and say hey this is good thank you for not indoc trying to indoctrinate me thank you for just being like hey maybe try to organize your life a little bit and leaving it at that i just really appreciate it yeah so i mean that's already that's like 20 minutes of like good stuff about this book yeah so like yeah this is kind of the, my thing with this book. We're about to turn into, like, the not-so-great things. Right, and right. the strict advice and processes play, played out in here are fine and good and would totally work for plenty of people. It is the shell that it is encased in mm-hmm. and, the like, certain ways things are presented. Yeah, this is a presentation problem. This is a huge presentation problem more yeah. than anything else. This book could have been cut down to forty or fifty pages. Yeah, I think instead they of the hundred and seventy that it is. I agreed. I think I think they could have lost twenty on the low end, maybe twenty percent up to fifty percent of this book, and it would have been much improved. So yeah, let's get into. All right, we are moving into the things that were bad or just less good about this book. Um, I so 
so notice the publication date of 2021. The first page of the introduction and the publication date kind of suggests that this may have been a pandemic sort of money grab. Um, I know that their, you know, their company has, it seems like it has existed for longer than that, but the intro page is like, hey, you know how this this will really help you if you're living through a pandemic? And it's like, well, isn't that a fun coincidence? <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly that they thought, oh, it's all this work from home stuff and people are so concerned with their productivity. I have to say, I this is sort of tangential to this point, but they they cast remote work or working from home as an issue or a problem that people have. Yeah, well, I saw your note on that and I wasn't, really sure what you meant there was a line in there somewhere that i, I mean you, you're not gonna be able to find it off the cuff well, right it was now, towards the beginning but but it, it casts like pre, you know people that have problems with remote work or like productivity issues with remote work or like no one wants to do remote work is kind of what the the tone was and i was like are you guys really sure about that i understand it can clash with you know having the whole family around all the time but remote work in and of itself is pretty dope yeah, if you if you work in an industry where you can work remotely, it is usually fine. It is and fucking pointless to drag yourself into an office and add a commute to things if all you're doing is sitting at a computer to do your job. Yeah, I mean, un unless for some reason, you know, you and you know, unless you are, I look, I think there are uh, reasons why people do want to go into an office they need that separation especially if for example there are fucking screaming children in their house and they literally cannot get anything done um you know or they're being pressured by their their partner to to take care of things while they're working because i think there's a lot of people who don't understand that working from home is still work and it does not mean that you can do all the chores during your workday. I mean, I think it is very nice when you're working from home and you can use your lunch break or whatever to like go start some slow cooker meal or maybe do a laundry, but like sacrifice to the mundanity. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I understand that some people need that physical separation for very practical real yeah. reasons and they find it valuable to have a different space to work in a different space to live, and that's fine. Not going to say that it's completely invalid. Right. No, no, no. And, and like, you know, if you're like me and you actually like your commute because you get exercise from it and it's, you know, it's it's a good way to get a walk in five days a week, that's fine. Um, But I think... Mandatory. shouldn't be a mandatory No, thing. it should not be mandatory. Like you said, if you can just sit at a computer and do your job, you should be able to choose where you work, when you work, whatever. Um, I feel pretty strongly about this just because I work in an environment now that has gone through, you know, this whole fucking fight and struggle over remote work. And um, fingers crossed, remote work seems to be coming out on top because, you know, when a lot of your workforce decides to move out of state, what are you going to do? Fire your work? Fire a large portion of your workforce it's a collective action huh? yeah right <laughs> it can so, really make things go your way um, when a bunch of your co-workers also do the same thing well you're fucking right when also when your co-workers either all follow through with the same action or just support that action verbally you know whatever it can really make a change so anyway i think yeah i agree that there was there was a slight 
Paul cast upon remote work <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. It was a little light, but it was like, eh, fucking shut up about that. It, it gets into, because, you know, they're sales guys, and yeah. they talk about managers, so I think they buy into, like, the, be in the office for productivity, because that's where productivity happens the best. And, like, sure, for some people it is, but it should not be a mandatory thing. Yeah. And moving on. I think this was a very minor point. Yeah. I don't. I do not think they were too heavy-handed about yeah. it, but we're just saying there was an undertone that we didn't like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Um, yeah, something that is always a fucking warning shot on the bow in self-help books like this are lack of citations. You know, yeah. just throwing mm. wild shit out there without justification or detail. So here, here we go. Oh, man, they studied 1,260 managers. That sure isn't a lot. It's also a very unspecific swath of managers yes. across all industries. Like, that's a very... If you're talking about all managers everywhere... 1200 ain't that much and it also depends on what level they are in various industries yeah and also why you just studying managers it's not broken out in detail in any way it's just 1200 managers yeah what did your research entail how was it done what did you ask under what conditions when who yeah so all right (laughs) like there's just a lot going on here especially when you find out that they mention the 1260 managers Kind of in the same breath as like, oh, they've done decades of research. I'm like, wait, so have you been, have you actually been doing a decades long study on 1,200 people? I mean, that would be really good to know if that's what you meant. I'm just going to divide 1260 by 20 because that's the lowest amount of decades you can have is like 20 years, right? So let's just do that math um, and see what's like, what's the Well, minimum? I mean, I guess it could be three it decades. It could be, but like this is the minimum amount. So I'm just saying like yeah, minimally right, right. you'd have to be talking to like 63 managers a year. Which isn't that much for, like, a research project? Yeah, so anyway, I just feel like we did not get enough detail on this quote-unquote research. Um, They also also keep harping on this, like, oh, this method will increase your productivity by 30 to 50%. Like, when, in whom, doing what? I mean... They, again, so how because are you measuring we don't, productivity? Correct. That's and a very I, loose word to use. Yes, and again, because we don't understand the details of this research on these 1,260 people, and also because we know it is only managers... I, I just feel like there is a there's a big flaw here, right? In didn't, this in this study, we don't know enough about it. Didn't they have a thing where it was like amount of goals set versus goals done, like that fraction mm-hmm. or something? I yes. think that's what they're measuring is like people were able to do more of that, right? right. But like that's still an extremely vague me- rubric that you've created yourself. That how is that an objective measurement of productivity? Yeah, so, I mean, so on the one hand, I really appreciate that they were trying to give us specifics. They were using numbers. They were, you know, trying to say, hey, look, we did research this. We did try to measure this. But again, but that just it fall, it totally falls off for me when we just don't get enough context. We don't get enough definition you here. You don't even get an example of like, here's someone's week that they were like meeting these goals. And then after implementing this, they were able to meet all these other goals because they well, rearranged this in the schedule. No, I think I think we did get a lot of personal examples which is but not got too specific many personal examples i would say mm. of like how the pre-week planning like i shifted this to here and this opened up this for me and i was able to do that it's a lot of uh, like well i, I kind of implemented this and it worked out for me because yeah i i think maybe you're right there were a lot of all of the examples are like hey i did this process and then i lost 10 pounds and it's like yeah. well how did that happen yeah um uh, that's and, what i'm anyway, getting at. yeah okay i'll agree with you there so then, you know, um, 
there, this is the wildest claim to me here, Paris, is this one that we're about to there, read here. Oh, I was, okay, I was actually just going to go back to, there, there's also a hilarious lesson in poorly structured writing towards the beginning, like in the intro, where they accidentally imply something that they, I think they didn't mean to, because, that actually, sorry, I think I just said this, where they were like, in our research of 1,260 managers, and then two sentences later, Steve and Rob have invested decades of research, so yeah, again, yeah. it's like, so you're implying that you've, Spent decades researching 1,260 managers. What? I just... To me, there's just a huge disconnect there. I need more detail. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, please take us to the next weird point that they make. This is absolutely the wildest claim I saw in this entire book. It is common to have parents give this book to their son or daughter. Is it? Is it really? When you published it this year? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is common? Yeah, how did that become common in the last, I don't know, 10 months, roughly? Name three parents who have given (laughs) this to their child. Yeah, they also say this at least twice, like, in the same chapter. It's kind of weird. That can't be true. Yeah, it's a really specious claim. (laughs) And I also don't think it is even useful to say, even if it is true. Cut it out. No, no, name one parent that has done this. I guess Rob and Steve, right? Yes, Rob. Yeah, the two authors <laughs> have definitely done it. But um, yeah. So all right. So this is again like all right, guys. Like this kind of smells like shit. Also, <laughs> you don't need that detail in there. You don't. It doesn't do anything. It's it a salesmanship thing because they're salesmen and they're like, well, parents give this to their kids and their kids are all of a sudden they're doing better in school and they're losing so much weight that they cease to exist <laughs> and they're kicking all the footballs into their music band class, yeah. which plays the tuba at the same time. Yes. The productivity is off the charts, oh, my yeah. friends, let me tell you. Yeah, I just, I think it is, even if true, a useless fact. So you know what? Throw it in the bin. Get rid of it. Then, all right. So then I start actually seeing footnotes. And I got hopeful. Thank the mundanity. Yeah, and I got hopeful. And but then, but then you know, I actually, actually looked at the references. So, um, you, you may remember from previous episodes that I fucking love footnotes. Footnotes are my favorite way are you to a, cite things. Are you a footnote fetishist? I <laughs> am. I am a foot. I'm. I'm a footnote fetishist. Send footnote pics to Terrible Book Club. Send send me your best footnotes to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Seriously, I fucking. I think I personally feel. Um, that footnotes are the best. Uh, but then, but then it kind of dropped. Actually, no, I I lied. They didn't use footnotes. They just they just cited things. I'm sorry. I take that back. I think I was hoping that I was going to see. Fo- I started seeing you citations. Were blinded by no, I started seeing hoping. citations, and I was like, oh man, they're going to do footnotes. I'm so psyched, and then they did. I'm so, so horny for these. Yeah. <laughs> show footnotes. Uh, show you show send send foot send footnotes. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm excuse me, I misspoke there. I started seeing right now, I started seeing citations and I got hopeful that they were going to maybe start getting a little more in depth here um but they didn't. So then I see I see this citation it says 34% of US workers are actively engaged. And I was like that's really specific. Like to a partner or uh, no, oh no it's in their in their work. They are actively engaged in their work and I was like how do you even measure that? So I'm like I flipped to the references and I see that they got that piece of data from a single Gallup poll from 2018. And I was like, you motherfuckers, you don't know how to use data. You don't know how to use research or citations. Fuck this shit. Well, one thing somewhere said it was true, therefore. Yeah, and I kept, I looked at all of the references. By the way, there aren't that many. There's a 25 or something, or it's some low, relatively low number. And each of these, each of these citations 
all of the statistics they reference were from totally different polls, articles, or research done at different times on different groups of people from vastly different years. I don't think that that proves everything. Proves anything. I think you can very easily be like, oh, this one poll from 2018 here, this one study from t- 2011 here, this other study from 2000. It's like, unless you're studying the same groups of people or these polls and studies are looking at similar um, types of things, I, I, it just feels real like we just needed to put citations in this book so people would believe it more. And yeah, I think they just need to take a lot more care with the citations and research bit. It just feels real cherry-picked. Real cherry-picked. Mm-hmm. Please don't tell me because they suggest that a thing is true. They say 34% of U.S. workers are engaged. It's like, if that's based off a single poll from five years ago, I don't fucking care. You need to show me... You need to tell Friends, me... Tell me what. Studies, yes. Like, you need to tell me what that poll was even looking at, who they asked, when they asked, what they asked. Like, you can't just say this to me. The better way to say that was like, after looking at, you know, these these polling trends in 2018 and these studies... It suggests to us that U.S. workers are engaged 34% of the time based, you know, based on these yeah. things. Like You, you, you want gotta, an aggregate of data, yeah, not a yeah. single studies data point to yes. go, like, blanket assume your process is based off of. Yeah, I. they really need way more context around these things that they're saying. I also think that they need to do a better job, like you're saying, you know, really, really convincing us with the data. Because right now it... The date, all these citations just fall on their face when you look at the references and realize how they were, um, how they arrived there. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll let, I've been talking a lot, I'll let you take away the next couple points. Yeah, so I, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but one of, there's a lot of chapters in this book, and the whole chapter will be a setup chapter for one of those three things, mm-hmm. like, you know, write your personal vision, set up your roles, and do your pre-week planning. Before the chapter that tells you how to do that, there is always a chapter that's full of people that went to their seminar saying how good this is. I promise you that it's going to work for you if you just implement it the way we say, because Amy here said, wow, this is going to work for me. Notice, like, again, this specific Amy story is what gave me a lot of pause. Yeah. um, Because it was this lady, Amy, who went to a seminar and she came up to them after, and she was like, wow, this is going to change my life so much. Amy, you haven't even done it yet. <laughs> yeah, and out. I can understand you being excited about it. But then, Robin, Steve, why would you include this in the book Correct. when she hasn't even done it yet? You're just including that she got excited about it. That's a salesman thing. That's not an actually letting me know that this did work for someone thing. With it. Well, th- Amy said it w- she was excited about it. Why are you excited about it? Do you see how excited Amy is? Wow, Amy is so pumped about this, guys. You just need to set up your personal vision like Amy. Yeah. Which she didn't even do. She said she's going to do it. Look how excited she is. Well, I mean, to, to, so to be fair, they do revisit Amy a few pages later, but I agree with you. I think that there's no point in being like, hey, here's a story about how our sales pitch really hyped up this lady before she even did anything. Like, that's useless. Cut that shit out. No it wastes reason time. For that. It to- wastes fucking time. Instead... They should have just You're said... lowering my productivity. This is some Q3 shit yeah, in your Eisenhower some, matrix. Some Q4 shit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, So I think that it would have made sense to say, 
hey, Amy came to our seminar and then skip to the point where they say a month later, Amy sent us this email that explained how much it helped her. Why? Just cut that out, Cut out all that other shit. We don't want to hear how people are excited before they've even done the thing. Just tell me about people that did the fucking thing. That's all I want. And then, even then, less of that. There's way too many fucking tangential stories about all these people that did the thing, including their own kids. Like, sh- <laughs> I don't... It is common for me to give this book to my child who I personally made, and then I can put that specious claim in this book. And then you got to check out my child's book. This is the thing that actually happens in this book that's pitching you a thing. They also pitch you the book of the kid who's pitching to you. It's kind sales of... Sales within sales. Sales within sales. You just got to always look for that cross promo wherever you can. Check out Graveborn and Concilium on Bandcamp.com. <laughs> Please don't do that unless you actually care. Wait, no, check. I don't give a shit. I don't give care. (laughs) Send me those views. Anyway, um, moving on. There's this part towards the beginning where they're like, here's our nine principles after they just told us that the three big things will fix our entire lives within one to four months. Why do I care about your nine other principles? Cut that out. Don't care. Pare it down to the three activities that you actually think help people. Yeah, I... But but again, it's like, if you're telling me the big three are going to fix my entire life within one to four months, why do I care about your other nine? You know what? You know what I thought when I read this book? I said, I don't care about these other nine. You told me the three are important. So I just ignored them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I, I really find kind of, you know, when we read the back of the book, you may have noticed this. I regard any book or person or personality that makes promises that are kind of this all-encompassing, like, ooh, it's what all successful Americans want. Like, they want work success. They want to lose weight. They want to find extra time. They want to have more money. And, I mean, the book literally makes that prosperity doctrine promise on the back. And to me, that was, like, a huge red flag. And I was like, I don't love that. I think that I don't love it. I think you can say, hey, some people who have used this method have, have, you know, arrived at these conclusions and these successes, but like just promising that off the bat's a little much. I would be extremely skeptical of anyone that said this method works across the board for everybody. You can't guarantee that because there's just so much variety in human cognition and Mm -hmm. modes of thought that I trust things way more that are like, hey, this might help you if you're maybe this type of person that it vibes with. This directly says this method translates into more money, improved health, better like it's across just like, cultures uh, and genders oh, and race, which yeah. it also brings mm-hmm. up. Which I was like, uh, okay, are you trying to get in some kind of like we? Why add that? Right, like because they're trying to say it's literally for everyone and can literally help everyone. Which yeah, but you're also ignoring a bunch of fucking systemic issues and cr- and cultural differences Listen, that do I, impact whether or not this is able to work for I, people. I, it's great that your 11-year-old was able to like help you write a book, but yeah, the reason yeah. that you could get the illustrations done for that is because you as her father had the resources to hire an illustrator Correct. for her. Not every 11-year-old is going to be able to do this. Even Because even if they write out the book that well, who knows if they're going to be able to draw good illustrations well enough. Probably not if you're an 11-year-old. That's fine. You should be, like, working on that shit, but, like, actually sell it to other people. Yeah, it uses this example. One of the many, many examples that it gives is how that Steve or Rob's daughter, one of their kids. Stob. The, yes. the generic Steve form Straub. of both. Straub. Um 
the curse of Strom. <laughs> um, uh, one of their kids. My D&D campaign is like entering the Strom's castle. <laughs> his mundanity sacrifices. He's been kidnapping the least productive people in the realm. <laughs> they end up here. Um, you have to rescue their their wallets. From... <laughs> anyway, yeah. So then he gives us an example of the kid, and there's just there's it's just like, hey, Bella, my daughter Bella made the or Steve's daughter, whoever it is, I forget. My you know this kid made this plan. She's only 11 years old and wow, she published a book and then she used the money from that to fund college and all this stuff and it's like, yeah, but you as her dad had the money and time to work with her on it because they they specifically call it that it was a collaboration between the dad and the kid. And it's like, I just don't think that this would really work for a child who is entrenched in poverty and had no adult support. Maybe. I'm not saying don't yeah. try, but I'm saying, like, you're making it seem like, oh, just write down these goals and do the things. And it's like, well, you know what? Some people need to, all they can do is fucking put food on the table. Some 11-year-olds literally have to put food on the table and go Correct. grocery shopping. Yes. And so I just think that it's a, it's a little out of touch. Not to downplay Bella's effort. It's always right, great for right. a kid to complete any sort of project like that. I have students it, that are teenagers and like the one, th- I have something that I was like, oh, how should I start making music? And my advice is like, just start doing it. Like right, you just right. make the first song. That's the hardest one. And once you get over that hurdle and you just start getting into it, don't even sweat how good it is. Just start doing it. But even then, like some of those kids, they got other shit to take care of. Keep hitting your book. They got got other shit to take care of. And, you know, I can't be like, well, you didn't write a song this month. Therefore, you'll never be a good musician. You have other shit to do. Bella, great job for helping with the book and writing out most of the stuff. But Steve, Rob, this isn't going to translate to every kid. It's not just a matter of the kid has to write their goals out and you give them the book because that's common for parents to do, apparently. It's not yeah. that simple. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, sure, if you are a kid or a person that has the resources, that has the money and time and privilege to be able to do these things, great. But, like, this method doesn't recognize that it's not the same for everybody. It's for everyone. The method's for everyone as long as they're in this very specific yeah. middle class area. Yeah, where are you are you a middle to upper class person? <laughs> this is for you. Uh, anyway, um... Yeah, so I think it does. It does lack a little. Uh, it does need a little bit of a reality check, I think, sometimes. But at the core, it's fine. Um, I don't love that it's just like productivity is about producing more product or more money. Like it's weird because the book does talk about making goals to improve like relationships, and it does have literally those two to three sentences about self care. But mostly, it focuses on. Making more sales, getting more money because you're making more sales and like that. And I'm just like, I would have turned the lever a little bit more towards the personal goals. Like, you know, there's a couple lines about, you know, in the relationships, having more dates without the kids and everything. So it's there. It's not devoid of that. I just wanted it to be more that and less like your man, like managers at these corporations came and found that we increased sales by 30% because we met these sales goals. I was happy like, because maybe it's just me, Paris, but I fucking hate selling shit even though it's something that i have to do oh yeah i hate it too we it's something you have to do but like to just cast that and like just make it be the the focus that you're having all of this seem to dance and revolve yeah. around it's just it makes me sick yeah um 
focus more on your personal relationships, please. And I would like this book to have focused more on the personal relationship side of things. Uh, yeah, there's also a line where it's like skepticism and cynicism is is the enemy to this to this method. And I'm like, that's not really a great thing to say. Uh, burn the heretics yeah, is, you know, maybe yeah. not a great thing to put in your book. Um so that was that that made me feel like, ooh, that's not good. I really just feel like there's a ton of filler and convincing up front that they just could have cut. Like you said, like said every chapter before the actual methodology is yeah, like, like well, these people, I swear to God, they they really helped them. It helped these the Kenyan guys <laughs> like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they go to Kenya with no, this? No, it was Rwanda. Remember Rwanda, where they the also, genocide yeah, happened? Oh, the That's Kenyan the guy old... at another seminar that we, yeah. Oh, they, they... I, this is a later note, but I, something <laughs> I really hated about this book that's a really minor thing, but just fucking ate up my brain, was like, every time they brought up Rwanda, because I guess they've, they've done a lot of work in Rwanda, every single time they said Rwanda, it had to be, hey, remember the fucking genocide that happened like, there? Bro, the you don't have like, to bring it up. Right. Yeah, like, isn't there more to say like, it's about... It's so amazing what the Rwandans can do after the genocide that happens. Like, that's not the only thing that happened in Rwanda. There's other stuff that's been happening. Yeah, like, I I'm pretty sure that there's a lot more... That would be like if you brought up the United States and you were like, the place where that civil war happened, the United States. <laughs> Remember the civil war in the United States? It's all that ever happened there. I just... What? It's, it smacks of that's the one thing we know about Rwanda. Because we're white people that are out of touch with what happens on the African continent as a whole and regarded <laughs> as less. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I, yeah. So that was just kind of a fucking bummer. Um, I just feel like there's, you could just say a lot more about Rwanda. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But I mean, they're, <sighs> they're probably only going over there to sell their like productivity and goal seminars. Yes. I mean, they, you know, and they do they do say, like, oh, Rwanda's like a flourishing economy, but can we just stop with the, hey, remember that fucking genocide? Like, can we, I don't know, maybe talk about their, like, cool gorilla population or, I don't know, anything else? Their art and customs, the fact that they were the seat of some pretty powerful kingdoms in the past. Like, can we just not, I mean, not, and I'm again, I'm not saying, like, oh, don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable. I'm saying... You seem, the only thing you seem to remember about this African country is that a bad thing happened there 30 years ago instead of like, what about everything else about it? I would like to hear more about those cool gorillas. Yeah, I would love is to know Is it Funky more Kong from the Donkey Kong? Uh, they got mountain gorillas there. That's all I, that's all I kind of know. Um, but Do they have coconut guns that can fire in spurts? I'm going to say no, probably. <laughs> I don't think coconuts grow in Rwanda. That's just going to be something I'm guessing here. Oh, God, we're going to get a flurry of emails from like, Fucking up, fucking up, fucking coconut exporters limited. Like, excuse me. <laughs> we they he, they do have coconut guns that can fire at spurts, and if he shoots you, it's gonna hurt. <laughs> oh fuck me! All right, um, you know they're gonna be like, excuse me, Kigali is full of coconuts. I'm I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm also a dumb white person that doesn't know yeah. enough about Rwanda, but. Anyway. We're not speaking as if we... Okay, anyway. Let's, how about we just skip over to the Eisenhower Matrix at this point, Paris? Oh, I forgot... To, I Fuck, I actually forgot to look that up and see if that was even real. Because that that is going to begin my tirade on... Trust us, we're going to associate our method with a bunch of people from history that never actually used it. They're just famous names that you might know. And Eisenhower is the one that it starts with. Um, but while, you know, while we're working on that... Um, 
I I have this note that just made me furious. Uh, where what page is it? Um, I mean, there's sure a lot of stuff on Google that talks about the Eisenhower Matrix, but I've never there's not like a Wikipedia article like pointing to like Eisenhower actually did this. Oh yeah, so <clears throat> right around that, there's this chapter that start right after the Eisenhower Matrix. The next chapter starts with uh. You know, let's steal the glory of these famous names and tie them to what we're selling, uh, which I just thought was gross and weird. Let me go ahead. It's like and... Gandhi and Rosa Parks and, and shit. And Elon Musk in the same list as Rosa Parks. <laughs> Fuck off. Don't no, ever do that. Do not ever do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> not at all in the same breath. Okay, here we go. Yeah. I'm even a little weird on Gandhi and Rosa Parks being in the same breath. Oh, I agree. <laughs> all right. So anyway, um, chapter three, the power of a personal vision. This is how it starts. What do people like the Wright brothers, Martin Luther King Jr., Amelia Earhart, Helen Keller, George Washington, Rosa Parks, Gandhi, Harriet Tubman, and so many others have in common? Although none of them was perfect, the one common thread that binds them all together is they had a clear personal vision that was meaningful to them. So, it's just like, can we not try to fucking shoehorn just famous names in history? Oh, sorry, that, that list didn't have Elon Musk. Where's the ones with Elon there's definitely a list with fucking Elon Musk. Hang on. I'm sorry. This is going to make me crazy. Oh, a clear vision can transform your life. Later in the chapter, it's like a subheading. A vision has preceded almost every great accomplishment throughout history. Think of these famous visions. John F. Kennedy put a man on the moon. I don't associate Kennedy with putting a man on the moon. I don't know if that's just me. Mostly the NASA scientists probably yeah, had something yeah, to do with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm thinking about all the visions of all the scientists <laughs> that did all the math. Anyway, Rosa Parks, quality for all. Elon Musk, put people back into space, colonize the moon, go to Mars, fuck you. Mostly just himself though, right? Like yes. mostly just, just Elon Musk gets to be in space. Amelia Earhart, be the first woman to fly alone across the Atlantic. Bill Gates, have a computer in every home. I mean, I don't, I don't love Bill Gates either, but like, I, I don't, I just really think there, it's like an affront to to humanity to be like Rosa Parks, Elon Musk. Yeah, just, there's like a yeah. real difference between like human uh, rights champions and just like capitalists that are like, I bet I, I can get everyone to buy my shit. Yeah, right. There's like a very very big. Difference. <laughs> I just thought that that was a misstep that they should not have made. That that was made me. So I gotta say. I really disliked this book up front because there's so much filler and salesmanship and they could have just cut it all out. And that was part of it. Sorry, this is real ranty. Um, yeah, and okay, again, I really feel like this book could have just started at like page 59 after a one to two page introduction. That is where we actually start getting into any sort of process. That's where it's like, here's how you set up your personal vision. Yeah. And I just feel like before that point, I didn't need to read three pages about the Wright brothers. I didn't need to read about how you, Steve, and Rob are very cool and flew very cool jets because they were both in the Air Force. There's a Here's a picture of my jet. I assure you we are very cool. And yes. that we did two cool flips and we almost ran into each other one, yes. one time. And that was like because we had task saturation. Yes. I mean, look, here's the thing. I know that in previous episodes we've been like, oh man, there's no examples. This is just the other end of that, where there are too many examples that go on for too long and do not provide anything to help me care more about this process. I think that they, e again, easily could have cut 20 to 50% of this book 
and it would have been much improved because we don't need to read my ten personal stories. productivity would have been increased when yes. i didn't have to read as many pages I of this book. yes and by 30 to 50 percent in fact and i would have retained a lot more and thought it was much better if i didn't have to sit here stewing about how you were like hey rosa parks and elon musk Kyle's, god damn it like we didn't need that that yeah. was unnecessary. Let me tell you, again, I, I keep bringing up my example as a teacher because it's what I have to work with. But if you pre- the less you present, the better. It is better to kind of give people a list of like three or four things and maybe a couple of examples than to, you know, stuff it with, I promise this is going to work. Imagine if I started every guitar lesson with like, today's lesson's really going to make you play the guitar really well. I, I would promise. hate you and never come back to a lesson with you. Not that I am a current student, but I imagine it would not be a popular method. Yeah, I do not spend any time in my classes going like, okay, this is really going to like blow your mind. I maybe have a line at the, like if I'm presenting a certain topic that's like, okay, this is a little intense, but stay with me and let me know if you get confused. And that is about as far as it can go. Or like, I, this is a way to do this thing. Like, if you would like to improvise a little bit better, here's a method. Like, right. that, that is as far as I'm going to go. But I'm never, ever going to present something like, this is the way. And which is like, by the way, it's like every other guitar instructional video on YouTube. It's like, do you want to play better? Try this one thing and you'll instantly be shredding in 30 minutes. I hate it. Does it, did it really say that? Oh, dude, hell yeah. I, I guess I don't really see a lot of guitar. Absolutely. Like, the first three minutes of every vi- guitar-related video before they show you, like, four pentatonic licks that are in every other blues oh, guitar God. player's arsenal is like, this is the way to, like, really play guitar. Ugh. If you're showing me just licks, like, if I'm looking at, like, licks videos, which I do, yeah. just like, ha- like, here's ten of them, here's the first one, here's the tab, here it is slow. Next one. Just do that and maybe a little explanation of like specifically how to pull this off. Not like this is the way I promise you, you're going to be shredding. Yeah. it's. it's On the other hand, I'm not a salesman, right? We, I was yeah. saying this before. Maybe yeah, that really either. does work and you're supposed to do that if you want to get people to like buy into your shit is just make wild promises. <sighs> anyway. All right, Chris. I feel like that's that's kind of the end of my specific comments. What what could What could we do? Can we fix it? What can we do to fix this? I think we already said it. Cut out all the filler. Maybe not all of it, but like half of the filler material of promising me this is going to work because someone at your seminar was so impressed with what you have to say and they got really excited about how their personal productivity was going to go. Yeah, I I feel like... Do like two of those at the start of the book and then just show me the methodology there after, I would say. Also... Don't show me, like, there's, like, illustrations in this book. This is an offhand thing, but, like, you don't have to show me a picture of an aquarium full of water. It is possible for me to imagine the (laughs) aquarium full of water. Yeah. There was just an offhand example that they used, and they decided, like, figure 3.2, an aquarium full of water. water and ping pong balls. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. But that was, okay, so there was another thing where it's like, it was like an example of like, we fill it with ping pong balls. Is it full now? Oh, we filled it with sand. Is it full now? And they show that picture, which, like, okay, I can get... But then to show me the other picture of the aquarium full of water, I think I, I'm capable of picturing that in my mind's it's eye. It's a real Q4 idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an Eisenhower matrix thing, which, by the way, we said we'd go into. Oh, yeah, sorry. Really quickly, it's just like there's four quadrants. One is like urgent and important. Then it's like not urgent but important or not important, not urgent, and and so on. It's just a four-quadrant thing. You put all the shit in your life <laughs> into one of those four quadrants. High st- so Q1 is high-stress, high-priority. Q2 is low-stress, high-priority. Q3 is urgent, not important. Q4 is not urgent, not important. 
So that's all it is. Yeah, that's the Eisenhower matrix. You just put all the shit in your life into that thing. You try not to spend a lot of time in the Q1 area because that's basically the reactive area. You try to spend most of your time in the areas that it's like, well, you know, I'm just, it's not super urgent at the moment, but I should be doing it. Yeah. And then the Q4 thing is like, I don't know, jacking off to footnotes picks or something. Yeah, yeah, jacking yeah, jack, do jack into footnotes picks and surfing the internet for more footnotes. Don't yeah. do that. It's a waste of time. So, yeah, essentially how it fixes is like, just leave it to that stuff. Less of the specious claims, less of the promising me this is going to work. Let me judge for myself and implement it. I already bought the book. So yeah. why are you selling me on it here? I've already paid the money or had it sent to me by right. for free. Yeah, well, maybe that's maybe that's actually it. Maybe no one's paying for this book. Maybe they're all getting this book for free and then paying for $500 fucking seminars. Uh, guess what I got <laughs> a few weeks after the book is an email saying, hey, we're going to give you a deal and give you this seminar. You're, you can attend this seminar for free. It normally costs $495. And I was like... Uh, no, I'm not interested in <laughs> no, that. No, thanks. Especially since I just read the book that told me about the big three and the method. What more do you have to tell me? Maybe that's where you get the specific examples of like how to move things around in your schedule. I Somehow I doubt that, $500. <laughs> yeah, so I really feel like, uh, yeah. So anyway, I think that this book, uh, to fix it, yeah, we would just cut out 20 to 50% of the content because it's just fluff and salesman shit. And honestly, this is one of the rare cases where we have too many examples that don't actually add any value. It's not even too many examples. It's like irrelevant they're... examples. No, I think they're relevant because they're like, hey, Kevin used this method and like this is a situation. But we don't, you don't need to keep telling me because they're, I mean, I again, it's like if they wanted to have testimonials at the back of the book, that would be fine. You know, you can incorporate a couple examples throughout it and then just be like, hey, if you want to read more testimonials, they're here. But I don't think more. OK, so it's like decreasing returns, right? Or diminishing returns, rather, where like, OK, I read the first couple, the first two to three examples of people who have used this method. And that's like, OK, cool. I'm glad you're giving me. I mean, I guess presumably real examples. Some of them really felt like total horseshit, but I we have no way to prove that. So let's assume they're real. But then by the fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth example, you're like, I just want to fucking read the method. I just want to understand this. Please stop interrupting this with stories. Like, stay, yes. stay on the point, my friends. So anyway, please focus this on just the method. We don't need nine or ten examples. You can just give us two or three. And then if you want... You can provide an appendix of testimonials where if people want to read it, they can. But I really think if you if you just, I mean, this book was what, 170, 170 pages. It really could have been a 80 to 100. Yeah. 80 to 100 would have been a brisk, like, yeah. little kind of tour through productivity, increasing practices. And that would have been great. And a great example of how to just kind of cut to the quick of things, right? Yeah. And I mean, secondly, a, a big thing they could have, they need to do, they actually, actually, this is like they need to do it, is they need to contextualize the research and citations. You can't, I mean, you got to give us these details of your one supposedly decades long study. I don't know if you meant to imply that. And also you got to be careful about not citing 
random single studies and just suggesting that they're facts now. Like, the finding of the of that one poll is a fact now. Like, no. It is fucking mystifying to me that they didn't break down where the managers were from, what industries, yeah. what positions. No details. Maybe that's what the $500 seminar is. J- yeah, just, like, show me a chart. Like, just, like, your spreadsheet of the data that you did. Like, can't be too hard. Well, I mean, all studies include an abstract that explains to you, and a method section that explains to you how they did the study. And that... You need that information to determine whether the results of the study are valid or or hold any weight. And again, as you said, you know, you need re- you need repeatable studies that produce the same results. You need more you need aggregate data. You can't just say, "Hey, this one Gallup poll from 2018 said this." Like that doesn't fucking do anything. Um so that those that's like an essential thing they need to change about this. And then the you know, I th- also think cutting down the content would help getting rid of the fluff and um, lastly, you know, this isn't like a, this, this is kind of a minor note, but I think it is important that saying that this method is going to work for everyone equally and will definitely translate into more money, more success. Like, no, you gotta, you gotta contextualize that. You gotta, you can't, you can't tell me that because you are making a huge promise that I don't think is going to really come out for most people or for every sorry for everyone it's just over generalizing and also not taking into consideration the really the very real systemic problems that we have in this world that you know affect more marginalized groups than it seems like this kind of you know upper to middle class white manager shit like that's great and all but a lot of the world isn't that <laughs> and you really have to give some thought to the fact that... You know, Paris, if those Ukrainian refugees simply just implemented a pre-week plan, I think their productivity of escaping from... <laughs> from the border between yeah, yeah. Uh, Belarus and, and... Poland. Poland. Yeah, you know, if they had only just really... Uh, they had a personal vision. That, yeah, if they, you know, if their personal vision was to get into Belarus and immigrate, and they had broken that into, into goals... And their goal, you know, if it's really, I mean, they could have just gold their way through the sniper rifles, right? right? Like, yeah, just, you just, know, you bribe know. the snipers and the border patrol with your <laughs> smart goal achieved money that you're getting somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, this isn't, you know, this is not a book where it's total garbage and we're saying, you know, don't, don't ever consider it. I actually think. There were a lot of good, yes, there's good we advice spent, in this like book. 25 minutes at the top of the episode about like, this actually is good advice for a yeah. lot of reasons. It's this presentation. It's presentation, yeah. It's a huge presentation problem. And yep. that is essentially the thesis that we're presenting yes. here. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that if you, you know, if you do read this, just take away from it the, uh, the core method and... You know, the system, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it will. I think it could really help people. But the word the word could there yeah. is important. Not definitely will fucking fix your life in one to four months. I think that's too much of a promise. It's too big up front. Um, yeah. So I think if, if you, you know, if you do decide to read this, I don't think it's total trash. But I also kind of think you can just this could be like a fucking pamphlet. Like it doesn't need to be this 170 page book for however much money 1995 1995 US dollars I certainly don't think I mean this is kind of beyond the scope but 
I certainly do not recommend paying $500 to go to their fucking seminar. Yeah, no, no, no way. You don't need to do that. No, I think if you're, if you work for a big rich company like Dell and Dell wants to waste their fucking professional development money on that, fine, it's dumb, but they have enough money to throw around. You as a person, good Lord, do not fucking go and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on seminars. You could spend that $500 on like a couple months of training and some other thing. Yes. Like, you know personal training lessons in like nearly any skill out there and you would get more out of that money yeah dude buy 500 dollars a yarn and like <laughs> knit a fucking knit nine sweaters like i i just think that the first three will be shit but then you'll hey yeah maybe those... <laughs> anyway. anyway um i don't i don't think again the book has some valuable information but it's really a presentation problem and it could definitely use a relook and a republish with with those recommendations uh yeah here right. we are we're done yeah this i think it. it's time for us to sink back into the business abyss where to and the mundanity shall tear us apart for i don't know at least a couple weeks until we're back up here with another book wait so our i have questions though are to and the mundanity like co-deities within the same pantheon are they are they warring deities i i think you know we can't understand the motivations of cosmic beings like that i think they cross past time to time like here is mm -hmm. an example of that yep. perhaps they clash sometimes you know terriblo i don't i can't understand his motivations does he want terrible books to exist does he just like torturing people with them does he want to us to be his ambassadors to other people so people can avoid the terror books i'm not sure all i just know mm -hmm. is that his tendrils paw and squeeze at me constantly <laughs> yeah terriblo terriblo is is unknowable but i i don't know the mundanity i i feel like they are i feel like they are not cool with each other yeah i would i would i i get that vibe too because terriblo feels very chaotic they are just unknowable yeah, unknowable deep chaos, whereas the mundanity wants routine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that the mundanity wants suffering, whereas Terriblo is happy to receive all sorts of emotions based yeah. on, on what Terriblo throws out there. So I really feel like the mundanity is is an enemy of Terriblo. I'm going to say that, too. I mean, I never liked him as soon as I heard of it him in the first place at the top of this episode anyway so he is an antagonistic figure to me whereas yeah. Terriblo is sort of like chaotic neutral yeah yeah I suppose trickster we'll, god yeah i suppose sort. we'll find out more as this year goes on and of course thank you to our lovely patrons for supporting us there's over 30 of you now thank you to dari greg veronica will d jared lynn senior Jakub, like chorus elliot kieran martin j scott g Luchek, CTAP1, Miri, Yanka, David, Anna, Anonymous, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson, Paladin, Callum, and our newest patrons that joined us over the recording break, Beast with the Least, Archagent Everlasting, Carolyn, and Scott H., and of course, our singular Kofi donor, Laxtodes. Thanks. Yeah. All right, anyway, Paris. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today, and um, I hope you get your shit done in your life, but if you don't, it's okay. You still have inherent value as a human being just for existing. Just remember that. You don't need to lose 10 pounds. You don't need to fucking build a rocket ship. You just need to enjoy life because it's all we got. Yeah. Vibes. Vibes. All right. See you later, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. 
Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. 